Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Well, good morning, family. Ah, you talk back. That's lovely. That's lovely. Some churches I preached at, it is cold and dry, and I'm like, family, please wake up. The Lord has allowed you to be alive today. Um, thank you, brother. I mean, I'm grateful that it wasn't just simply this random dude, but I thank you so much. For, yeah, really? Yeah. But um, I'm really grateful for his brotherhood, his friendship. Um, by God's grace, he has continued to be a faithful friend to me. I long for friendships. I'm a lonely dude at times, and I praise God for Scott Brud. I praise God for his beautiful bride, Caitlin. I'm grateful for the bunches of Bruds they have at the house that I get to spend time with over the weekend. I'm also grateful for my beautiful bride, Shamika. Thank you so much for always riding with me. But I really want to take a quick moment, and I want to say thank you to Brother Henry. Look, sir, when I heard that you were here since you were six, that is a beautiful gift and the treasure of Christ. So I just want to say thank you for what you have done for this church as a faithful witness. Can we give a hand to both of So today, family, I have the honor and the joy and the privilege to open God's word with you today. I get to preach his word, and that is a, something I do not take lightly. So um, be with me as I open God's word, as we take time to study what John, the gospel writer, so graciously follow the inspiration of, his, of our God to write today. And if you are able, would you please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. John, chapter 6. And if you are able to stand, would you stand as I read in honoring God's word? John, chapter 6, starting at verse 60, and we will close out the chapter. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing himself that his disciples were complaining about this, asked them, does this offend you? Verse 62. Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man as descending to where he was before? The spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are of life. But there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who do, did not believe, the ones who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back, no longer accompanying him. So Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus replied, didn't I choose you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. And he was referring to Judas, Simon's son, one of the twelve, because he was going to betray him. 
Let me pray. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness. That the light of Christ may be seen today in our acts of love, in our deeds and faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for the King's glory and the advance of the King's kingdom, I pray. Amen. Amen. Be seated, family. My grandmother, my mom's side, loves to cook. She would spend hours in the kitchen preparing sometimes four-course meal for people, for anyone who would come over. And sometimes when you can smell the aroma of the kitchen from the upstairs, you also can hear her joy in her singing. Sometimes she will play in the kitchen while she's cooking Tom Jones. She'll play opera. She'll play the platters. And when you know it's Italian, she's playing Sinatra. But she loves to sit at the table and allow to see everyone enjoy the feast that she created for us. That was a joy that I got to see from a very young age, my grandmother do every summer that I visited. And one time we actually went over to her friend's house named Marge and Terry. And Marge told my grandmother, said, hey, come over, this time I will cook you a meal. And it was a delicious meal. As a young boy, I saw this beautiful chocolate cake. And I was like, hey, Grandma, can I get a slice? And she was like, only one. And as all good grandchildren did, I got two. <laughs> but when my grandmother took a slice and she ate it, she was perplexed. She was flustered because it was so good. She looked at Marge and she said, Marge, what is this? What is the recipe? It is so moist. It's so full of flavor. What have you done? Give me a pencil of paper. I want to write this down. Give me the recipe. And Marge goes, Rita, my grandmother's name, Rita, it's a box cake. <laughs> a box cake? My grandmother was livid. She was like, what are you talking about, box cake? And for an hour, I'm sitting there on my thirst slice now, watching them <laughs> argue about this box cake recipe. Because my grandmother prided herself on cooking. I remember that night very vividly, too. Because as much as I was filled with chocolate cake, longing for a glass of milk, I saw something that I didn't expect to happen. A fight broke out between my grandmother and one of her dear friends over a box cake. And it was interesting because I saw the face of Marge drop because my grandmother wouldn't believe what she just said. It was kind of sad too because eventually you heard my grandma's voice, her tone change. She eventually said, Marge, what is the recipe? And sadly, a friendship broke over a box cake recipe. I think this is a very simple but good introduction to kind of understand what's going on in the life of Jesus and his disciples in the book of John. We have a reality check for us 
of a rabbi named Jesus with a plethora of disciples following him, but starting to doubt, to question, because something he just taught was hard. And people decide to leave him, to abandon the rabbi because of a difficult teaching that was hard to accept. And a lot of people took offense to it and deserted Rabbi Jesus. Today, family, we celebrate 85 years of God's faithfulness and kindness to Waynesboro, Free Methodist Church. I want to take some time today and unpack the word of God today and connect what John, the gospel writer, chooses to include in this story of Christ to show how this church can continue for another 85 years of gospel witness in this community. As you see today, in this scripture, some disciples abandon their rabbi because of difficult words, while others continue to follow Jesus. I think these words of God is timely for the church today, so that you, myself in Raleigh, North Carolina, can continue to be faithful followers of Christ and not abandon him in trials or difficult times come. I'm going to give you a roadmap today of what we're going to journey through the scriptures. I want to let you know that verses 60 and 61 is actually where we're going to pause for a cause for a long time and unpack that because when you understand verses 60 through 61, the rest of everything will start to make sense. So if you have a copy of God's word, let's build the foundations of verse 60 and 61. Therefore, verse 60, when many of the disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he asked this, does this offend you? So let's set the stage here real quick. John writes to his disciples um, who heard what Jesus just taught, seen what Jesus has done, and chose to follow him. But Jesus said something, taught something that was hard to understand, difficult to follow, and even offensive to them, and they said, who can accept it? Now, we need to pause to kind of understand why what Jesus just said leading up to this moment was this offensive. Why was this teaching hard? Family, I want to teach you a big word that us seminary students had to learn called hermeneutics. If you know what that word means, praise God. But hermeneutics is the concept, the art, the science of how to study God's word. And I want to give you a million-dollar solution to learn to study God's word in a very simple word of the word why. I want you to start acting like a little fifth grader, a little kindergartner, who comes to their parents every day and say, why do I need to do this? If you remember, if you were a parent or you were around kids, when, the ki when you tell a kid to do something, what do they say in return? Why? Every day. Hey, go to your bedroom. Why? Go eat your peas. Why? That was a question I asked every single day when we had peas in my house. But when you study God's word, you need to take some time and ask, why did God inspire the gospel writer John to include this in his text? Why was this offensive? To answer that question, I want to kind of build up and recap at a 3,000-foot level of this moment. Now, Jesus just took time in the Gospel of John to feed 5,000 people. 
And when the disciples decided to travel by boat across sea to Capernaum, Jesus met them on the waters by walking on water, scared them a little bit. And then Jesus eventually arrives to the other side and has this infamous one of the statements of the I am the bread of life statement. Again, think about what just happened. Jesus fed 5,000 Jews, 5,000 men we know recorded that could be larger because men and children and women were there too. And then you also have him walking on water to the other side and then eventually teaching I am the bread of life. Now what follows the I am the bread of life teaching is crucial. Christ engaged his disciples, not just the 12, and challenges them on why they are following him. As Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, he takes time to talk to his disciples and ask them the questions, why are you still here? Why are you following me? Now, this is not only a great question for the disciples then, but for a great question for us today in Waynesboro Church. Why are you following Jesus Christ? Have you thought about that lately? Have you took time in your daily life to think about why do I show up on Sundays? Why do I sing the great hymns and the songs? Why do I open up God's word? We saw that some followed Jesus because of the miracles they heard or the signs they saw Jesus do by healing people. Some of them just followed Jesus because their bellies were full, because the loaf of breads they were able to devour. I want to ask simply because this is something the church today, all across the world, needs to answer. Jesus said that all that he did up to this point was to show or point the disciples to whom or to the one who sent him. As the great bread was filling for temporary satisfaction, Jesus was offering a bread of life that was giving, that was eternally satisfactory, which was him. This teaching stirred a grumble or created a riff among the disciples because of what Jesus was challenging them to think about, to really examine themselves and to answer the questions, why are they following Jesus Christ? They did not understand what Jesus was actually doing at this moment. Instead of getting another free McDonald's big kids meal, their faith was being tested to reveal what they really were looking for in Jesus. And like then, I will ask the question again, family, why are you coming to Jesus today? Why do you come to his church, to his body? That answer that you come up with will show you if or how this body will endure for another 85 years. Why men from New York came to plant a church or had a revival here is because of Jesus. Why people here were faithfully standing here, standing up, when Scott was asking the questions, how long have you been here? Most likely it was for Jesus. Family, if you want to continue to have these doors open, you need to ask yourself, why are you here? Is it because of Jesus? These questions, this testing of why, was made it so hard and difficult for the disciples to accept and to follow. For Jesus did not come simply to provide a temporary need, but an eternal delight in him. 
and partaking in his blood as the bread of life, to some of the Jews who heard this, this was offensive. This was offensive to hear a rabbi say, come to me, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Now personally, that just sounds crazy right now in real life. But imagine a culture that's following the teacher, the rabbi, just out of nowhere say these words. Now to better understand why this was hard and a little bit offensive to them and difficult, I want to clue you in two particular things. First, I want you to understand the audience that John is writing to. Now, if you don't know, each gospel itself has a particular audience of mind that the author of the gospel is writing to. Matthew is particularly writing to Jews to prove that Jesus is the promised Messiah King that they've been longing for. But John is writing to Gentiles, those who do not really have the Jewish faith that they grew up with. So John is including some verbiage or including some stories to kind of point to Jesus as the Son of God. That's why if you open his gospel, you read the infamous words, in the beginning was the word, and the word was? 10 points, whoever got that right, good for you guys. But yet to understand that Jesus, in the gospel of John, was expanding the kingdom beyond just Jews. In his account of feeding the 5,000, there's actually another story that happens in between this moment and after the 5,000. It's actually Jesus feeding 4,000 men. And if you study geography, geography is important, by the way, in the Bible, but when you study geography, when he feeds 4,000 men, it's actually in a Gentile area. So if you think about it, Jesus Christ, being the bread of life, comes to 5,000 Jewish men, feeds them to point that, hey, I am the Messiah long awaiting for. And then he goes over to a, another Gentile region and does the exact same miracle, feeding 4,000 Gentiles to show to them that he is the bread of life. That's a story that John includes to connect the dots that are missing in the pages of Matthew, not in a bad way, but in a way to reveal that he is the son of God. Now, a second thing I want you to kind of understand is the culture or the lenses that those who are reading John see about what Christ says about being the bread of life versus the ones who hear it. Now understand, Jesus feeds 5,000 Jews. Jesus feeds 4,000 people. Guess what happens after those 5,000 and 4,000 people get fed? They want more, right? Imagine going to a barbecue spot getting some delicious barbecue. Is it fish and pig here? Is that what it's called here? Imagine going to fish and pig, and it was delightful, and the guy's like, I can give it to you for free. What are you gonna do? I want some more, right? You'll come right back to it. So people are following Christ. They're being fed by him. But again, he started asking the questions. Why are you following me? Because he ultimately says, I am the bread of life, come partake in me. And again, the crowd that he says this to is a mix of Jews and Gentiles. So the Jewish people who heard him say, come and eat my flesh, drink the cup I pour out in my blood, they took offense to that. But to the Gentiles who heard these words, who read this page, understood what he was saying. There's an audience that John is predominantly writing to. 
So the Gentiles were known at the time for idolatry, for believing in false deities and being in cults that sacrificed to their false gods. Many Gentiles will actually have eaten flesh and drink the blood of their false deities with the goal of becoming one of them. Don't believe me? Good. Go and study the cult, I mean, the cult of the Greek deity Dionysus and see how the cultural practices of eating the flesh of their God, drinking the blood of their God, was something that Gentiles understood that Christ was using of the culture to point to him ultimately. This is our God. Everything inked in the Bible is not by mistake. God steps into the world to use the things of the world to point to him. So when you read, I am the bread of life, come and eat, come drink, see this new covenant. Gentiles understood what he was saying. But the Jews heard it. It was difficult to understand because their cultural norms were not allowing them to comprehend it. But Christ in his beauty, in his grace, in his mercy, went to all cultures. There was no boundaries, no walls put up. But he stepped into areas that he was able to show he is the gospel, he is the Christ of all people, of all nations, of all tongues from all time. This is why understanding this moment in verse 60 through 61 is a foundational moment to understand of how and why Christ responds the way he does to those who question his teaching, the sayings that are hard, and asking who can accept it. Verse 62. Then what are you then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Verse 63. The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning that those who did not believe are the ones who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to the Father or come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. I wish I could hear those words in real time. I wish I could just stand and be a part of the crowd and hear Christ say these words to people. I would love to hear the tone in which Christ responds to those who are grumbling about what he just taught. For this gives flesh to what is Jesus kind of trying to get at. Jesus opens up with, does this offend you? Meaning, eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Notice how Jesus does not respond to what he said by asking another question. Sorry, notice how Jesus does not respond to what, he's, what they're grumbling about, apologizing for what he said. Instead, he asks another question. What if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Meaning, if you saw me, Jesus, ascend to the heavens and come back down out of the clouds to you today, would this still offend you? If you saw me come down from heaven and my teaching saying, eating my flesh and drinking my blood, would that still offend you? For seeing Jesus ascend will not be an offense to anyone, but will actually be a delight to the Jewish disciples. For then they will know for sure that this was the Jesus, the long-awaiting Messiah, this was the one who was for real. And he comes from God. 
But, this, but if the miracles and signs were not enough, what would ascending and descending do for them? Fam, I want to ask you the same question today. For those who are wrestling in this room and those who will watch online, wrestling with, the, with Jesus as their Lord and Savior, what more do you need? You have the miracle of God's word in your hand today that points to his faithful love. You have the church and its people as a sign of God's all-powerful redemption power in their lives. What else are you waiting for? Family, I want to invite you to wrestle with these questions. Before I ask you why are you following him, now I'm asking you why not are you following him? What's holding you back for you to really consider Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If the Bible is not enough, if the people in the room is not enough, what is missing? What do you need to wrestle with? I invite you in kindness, talk to Pastor Scott. Talk to people in this room who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ and where God lavishes love to you for the sins you have done so that you and him can be reconciled. Verse 63. Again, the, this crowd is mixed with Jews and Gentile disciples. Jesus declares, the spirit is the one who gives life and the flesh doesn't help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit in our life. Again, asking the question, why did Jesus say this? It's because of those Jesus is talking to and what Jewish people believe in that would give life. That was the law, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. For a Jew, obeying the law to the letter would grant them blessings and giving them a full life or life itself. But Christ is flipping the mindset on its head to help them understand who truly gives life, and that's the Spirit. That is God himself. See, the flesh has been described as our fallen human nature. So when Christ says the flesh, or fallen human nature, that does not give us help at all, does not give us help to give life, Jesus is referring to one of two things. One, the works of the flesh does not give us life, and the works of our flesh gives death. First, the work of the flesh does not produce good work to make us right with God. Our sin has made us dead, unclean, and broken before the God of all creation. And our sin caused a cosmic treason with him. That's what we read earlier today as a group. We read what the definition of sin is and what is done. So when we are trying to do good works to appease the damage we have done, the Bible says this in Isaiah 64, 6. All of us have become like something unclean and all of our righteous acts are like polluted garments that can be thrown away because they do not amount to anything. Meaning all the works that we try to do is unclean. All this religious stuff that we try to do to earn our way to heaven, 
Attending church, sometimes people look at as a good checklist thing of work so I can be right with God. Polluted garments. The good works we try to do to appease a holy God does not produce the righteousness we need according to scripture. Instead, our sin and work of our flesh produces death for us. Romans 6.23, study that sometime. Jesus even emphasizes in the Gospel of John, chapter three, verses six, when he said to Nicodemus, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, or whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. So if our flesh, our human nature is dead, then all it can do, it produce is what? Dead fruit. That's why Jesus said, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So the words of Jesus are the only thing that can bring life. The law is used to show how much we do and do not make it, but the power of the blood of Christ. And his words, it is finished, brings us life. Family, I want to ask you today, what are you still trying to do by the way of your flesh to earn yourself right with God? Family, it's not going to be it's not going to make the mark. It's not going to meet, make you righteous. The question is, do you accept what Christ has done on the cross for your salvation, for your righteousness? Let's continue because of time. Verses 64 and 65. Understand the real offense of the Jews was not the teaching, eat this body and drink this blood. Instead, the real offense was how one can come to the Father. The law said that it was by keeping it, but Christ is saying it's through him. By coming to him, feeding on him, and we will live and see the Father. This is why Jesus said in verses 64 and 65, I'm back over 63, but these are some among you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning that those who did not believe in the one who will betray him, verse 65, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. Jesus understood this teaching that he was giving. giving. Jesus understood that he was going to, this was going to be hard to accept. And that's why, because many of us were missing the mark. And this assumption caused a rift for a lot of people. And sadly, verse 66, we read, from the moment many of the disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. Again, this was another moment I wish I could be there just to see how Christ responded. To the Jewish culture, loyalty to the, from the disciples to the rabbi was the greatest honor one can do. But their abandonment brought the greatest dishonor and shame to the rabbi for when they left. This was not something that, this was something that Jesus was not caught off guard. If you recall what John opens the gospel with, and he wrote, he, Jesus, came to his own, the Jews, and his own people didn't receive him. This is something he was prepared for. You, you can picture with me, if you can, Christ watching the droves of people walking away. Remember, there's roughly thousands of people who were following him. 
at this time. But when the yoke or the teaching of this rabbi got too hard, they all walked away and deserted him. Sometimes when you read scriptures, I want you to try to imagine, give flesh to what's going on. Don't just read as quickly as possible so you get through your checklist of the day. Take some time to read God's word and picture how Jesus would have felt. To picture the scene, thousands of people leaving because what Jesus said was a little bit hard, a little bit difficult, and somewhat offensive. Verse 67. So Jesus said to the 12, you don't want to go away with them too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. I wonder why what was said in verse 67 was said in the way that he, Jesus said it. He just saw people who called him rabbi, their spiritual leader, their shepherd, his, their caretaker, and they all left. I wonder if he said it in a tone out of frustration, out of mercy, or maybe out of compassion. But Simon Peter said, Lord, whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. In other words, Peter is like, Jesus, we trust you. You are our rabbi. You are our king. You are our God. Wherever you go, we go. Who else can we turn to? All we have, all we need is right in front of us. You are the one with all authority. Who else is there? Saints, I wonder in the coming years, you guys have as a church when difficulty comes and you have an option to stand and resolve on God's word would you do it when the culture is fleeting even further away from God I can imagine what 85 years looked like for this church what they had to endure what they had to stand for what rejection Waynesboro Free Methodists had because they stood on the authority of God's word. I wonder what pastors who we saw videos of, their tears they had because they had to make a choice to stand on God's word or be like the culture and walk away. Family, you have 85 more years, God, Lord willing, have. We have 84, 85 more years, Lord willing. And beyond that, I don't want to number you guys 85 years. That'd be mean. But I hope you guys have 85 more years of fruitfulness and faithfulness and compassion to this community. But you will be tested. Hear that clearly. You will be tested. And I ask and wonder if your question, when the community say, are you really a Christian? Are you really going to follow? Are you so narrow-minded? I hope and pray as a church, as individuals, you say, whom shall we go to? The truth of God is right in front of us. I pray that you're like Simon Peter, who says, Rabbi Jesus, you are our God, you are our King, to whom shall we go? In closing, Jesus models for us how we should respond. Look at verses 70 through 71. 
Jesus replied to them, didn't I choose you, the 12? That one of you is the devil, or is a devil. He was referring to Judas, Simon, son, one of the 12, because he was going to betray him. I want you to see the character, the maturity, and the holiness of our God in Christ in these two verses. First, he reminds them that it was not the 12 that chose him, but the Father who chose the 12. He could have rebuked them, he could have checked them, but he reminded them in grace and kindness that you didn't come to me. I came down and the Father sent you to me. Understand, family, none of us earned our way to righteousness. None of us earned our way to the love and the grace and kindness of our God. But God extended it to us. But then Jesus is practicing also what he's preaching here. Meaning the 12 are placing their faith, their lives, and trust in the will and the purposes of their rabbi. That whatever the rabbi tells them what to do, they're going to do it. But see what Jesus says about what his purposes are. Let me read verse 38 for you. For I, Jesus, have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Meaning, Christ has come down to do the will of the Father, no matter what that will looked like. No matter what the Father chose for him to do, or the steps that he was to take, Christ will do it. So if, he, if this means that Christ gathers disciples together, and from that group, 12 men will live with him, and do life with him, and do ministry with him, seeing him declare the message of the kingdom of heaven, Christ follows the will of the Father while all knowing that one of the 12 men will be the one who is going to betray him. Which led him to the cross. Jesus says in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Do you see the character of God right there? In Christ. Christ is doing the will of the Father no matter what. No matter what the cost is. And Christ being all-knowing knew that one of the men that was with him was going to betray him. And he still stood still. He stood, took the steps. He still went forward. Family, by God's grace, 85 years of gospel witnesses is in this church. You and I are a result of it. Praise God for that. We celebrate 85 years today of God's faithfulness, kindness, and mercy to this church. God has chosen to keep the doors open so that it will continue to be a light of this world. To still be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Today, family, you have a choice to continue to be a place that the world can see a group of God's chosen people coming together weekly to sing the praises and the glory of its king and advancement of the king's kingdom or be a shell of itself 
a building of yesteryears, a thought of former glory days, and be an old abandoned building that people, people drive by and wonder, what could have this been? Like Ingleside, the golf resort, or the Skyline Parkway motels. My prayer for you guys is, the next 85 years is not to be like those disciples who abandoned Christ when things got hard, when things got difficult, when the teaching were hard to be accepted, when sometimes a pastor and elder might have to come to you and say something difficult about sin. My prayer for you is you to stick closely, truly, faithfully to God's word. And understand that maybe something God's teaching you now will make sense till down the road. Understand the Hebrew disciples who heard the teaching of Christ and were offended by it did not fully understand it until Christ brought in the new covenant and showed them what he meant. And the Gentiles were not able to fully understand who Christ was until three days later, Jesus rose from the dead to prove that he was God. So family... How does a church like this last for 85 more years? First, I want to ask you, why is Jesus your Lord? Is he your Lord? When things get hard, is his teaching, is his word the thing that's going to sustain you for 85 more years? And for those who are in this room who are like the other disciples, who abandoned their Christ, have abandoned their Messiah because of the world, life was too hard, or simply they didn't get their way, Christ invites you back into the spirit of his love, into his kingdom, for his glory and the advance of his kingdom. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.